What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Game Time podcast. This is episode number 52. My name is Jet, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Eric. Eric, how are you doing today? Doing good. 52-52 card pickup, and if you don't know that reference, then it was Mr. Ray Lewis himself, the Raven. I would consider him the Raven of of the 2000s right 2000s early 2010s i mean man was a just he 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 made he made it to where no slot receiver ever wanted to go up the middle when they were playing the ravens defense oh yeah he oh god i couldn't even imagine just being a running back just running up that hole and you have to come into contact with ray lewis because it, it seemed like every Every play, he was just absolutely trying to destroy if, the, the, the opposition. If and, I uh, if I was a slot receiver and my quarter and my quarterback led me too far in the middle of the field and I get popped by Ray Lewis, my quarterback's playing paying for my medical bills, <laughs> without a doubt. I mean that man. Uh, if you don't know the reference of the fifty-two card pickup when he was younger as a way to uh, get in shape. He would uh, have a deck of 52 cards, and he would just flip each card, and whatever numerical value was on that card uh, was how many push-ups he did. Until and he kept doing it until he got through the entire deck in one attempt. Wow! So that's so that's the, that's that. why he that yeah that's why he picked the number 52. Yeah, very, so very nice. Yeah, good, Learn something new every day, Jet. Yeah, no, it's a good guy to, to cover uh, for this episode. Also, huge shout out. We, we have a live audience for the first time. Oh yeah, in, uh, it's, it's game time history. So hopefully, I mean, I don't, I don't think our audience can hear what I'm saying, but um, hopefully, no, you know, she's, no. hopefully the the live audience, uh, you know, boos at the proper times when when Eric talks. Because I know, I know, we're oh gonna no, hear no, 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 they're not, they're not gonna boo. Boo. They're not going to boo when I talk at all. Not at all. Not at all. I'll make sure that they boo when you're talking, even though they can't. I'll, like, give a signal, like, <laughs> a wave, and then just stick my mic out just for an odd, just for a distant boo to be heard. Um, but today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs, which I actually have on in the background right now because it's the Milwaukee-Boston Game 5 game going on while we're recording this on a Wednesday night. Big game, crucial game, pivotal game, if some may say. And so is Jet at the moment, but in his background to where he may have to turn his head. Uh, and then we'll talk about the state of the MLB a little bit. And then we're going to end with talking about some Formula 1 because... The Miami Grand Prix was this past weekend. Jet's pretty much from Miami. He, he considers himself a, how do you, what would it be, a Mi, Miamster or a um, Miamian? I would, I, was, I would say Miamian. I don't, I, I don't, I've never referred to myself as a Miamian just because I, I mean, even though I am from South Florida, I am an hour or so north of Miami, but um, yeah, but I do consider myself like a Miami sports fan. Yeah. I don't know if I, I'm a Floridian. That's, a Floridian? You know, that's, that's, Would you yeah. call consider yourself a Fort Lauderer? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's interesting. I've never heard heard that either. But I, a I consider Fort Lauderian? myself. I don't know. A South Flor a South a South Floridian. <laughs> okay. I guess I guess I could say. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Jet, he was able to actually watch the highlights, which is the first of the race. Yes, and I, I was, I was thoroughly pleased with what I saw. Well, obviously, we'll get into it later on. We'll but, get to it. We'll um, save it for last. Nice yeah. little uh, ending of it. But first, I mean, we have to obviously talk about the NBA playoffs as Jet tries to do this, looking backwards as he tries to get the get the game on backwards, but. As I said, right now, Milwaukee is playing uh, the Boston Celtics, in which they're right now, as I'm recording, down by three with seven minutes to go in the third quarter. How's that live announcing right there? I think that's, that's pretty, pretty damn, good. That's pretty damn I, good. Rolled off the tongue. Later tonight, while we're recording, is the Warriors versus Grizzlies matchup. Game five also. Warriors are up three to one in that, in that matchup and could – Probably end it tonight if all things um, go well for them and they just play their game. Uh, And then last night, Tuesday night, and for game five uh, tomorrow night on Thursday night, it is the Heat are going back to the 76ers to the place where they apparently cannot win a game. Um, And then uh, later that night is the Suns are going to the Mavericks in hopes to shut them out. And not get have it go to a game seven. Sorry, those were both game sixes, not game fives. Um, which one do you do you want to talk about the Heat uh, Sixers game uh, matchup? Sorry. Yeah, um, I think both of these series that you just mentioned, it's really been very extreme on both sides. When when we're talking about home road splits, whoever's been the home team has won won the game in each of the games in this series. Uh, for the Heat and 76ers, the Heat really had their way with the 76ers all game, much like they did the first two games in this series. The big story, I think, all series has just been Jimmy Butler's consistency and and high level of play all throughout the series. While he didn't really show out on the box score, and that's in large part just because they didn't even need that much from him in this one. Um, it was really nice to see the Heat's shooting turn around in this one after the games three and four in Philadelphia where the shooting was really, really, really off. Um, we saw Max Struess have a much better game with 19 points. We saw some, we saw some Duncan Robinson action, which I was very excited to see. Um, and then just, you know, a lot more contribution all around. This was without Kyle Lowry. So I, I was really, really, really happy that we were able to not only shoot the ball well, but, you know, limit guys like James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, and Joel Embiid from really having those signature games. Our, now is Kyle Lowry supposed to play in game six? Right now, um, I believe he was still questionable the last time I checked, but I, I'm assuming he's still not going to play, and I think it's better off that way just because I'd rather have a fully healthy Gabe Vincent than have a 50% healthy Kyle Lowry because when he was out there in game four, he was pretty much limping all around the court, and we, we really can't have that in, in these crucial games. So now going back to, to – uh to game four back in Philadelphia. I know we're like kind of going skipping over game five, but I mean, I mean, it was just a blowout pretty much overall. Um, Do you think Kyle Lowry playing in that game kind of was a negative factor per se, having a, having a not fully healthy, healthy player taking minutes away from a fully healthy player? I, yeah, I, I, I definitely think it impacted us, but I don't think it would have changed much even if he wasn't out there just because no one was making open shots for, for, a large, for, for a number of those shots if they were wide open. Obviously, I think it maybe would have given us a boost to have a more healthy Gabe Vincent out there, but um, I'm glad that they didn't you know rush him back 
even if he wasn't fully healthy, because I think that that could have hurt us. I don't think we would have lost the game even if he played, but it definitely could have had a negative impact on us. Are you worried that now, I, I mean, on facing the Hawks, they only lost one game on, on the road against the Hawks, but in the 76ers matchup, which when they have Joel Embiid seems a little bit more difficult, are you worried that they're about them going on the road and, and if they advance, which I think they probably will at this point since they're up up a game with two games left. Um, are you worried about them playing on the road after seeing how they did in Philadelphia when it comes to if they would face the Celtics or even the defending champions Milwaukee Bucks on the road? I mean, it, it's definitely a cause for concern, but I just think from what I've seen just playing – playing on the road against all Eastern Conference teams. I think Philadelphia is the hardest place to play. I mean, that's just Philadelphia fans in general. They they bring it each and every night. They're, the energy is up, and, and the players feed off of that, and that's why we saw the 76ers and James Harden have somewhat of a resurgence in those games. So um, definitely if the Heat advance, if, they have, if they're going to play in Boston and Milwaukee, it's definitely not going to be easy, and – that's a good thing, though. They are the number one seed, so the majority of the games are going to be at home, which is definitely a good thing for them. But I don't think they're going to be able to get away with not being able to win any games on the road if they want to get to the NBA Finals. Yeah, I mean, so far in the playoffs, they only have one road win. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I do you think they'll win on the road Thursday night, or do you think this is going back to Miami? It's, it's going back to Miami, and I, I hate to say that just because I, I don't really want this to be a Game 7 just because I want to just get this series done with done, done and over with. But after seeing what happened in Game 3 and 4, the 76ers are a totally different team, and I expect all those guys to have bounce-back games. And the Heat, I don't think it'll be a blowout, but um, I just I just think the 76ers are going to continue to feed off that home crowd's energy. And. And I mean, uh, the flip side, the 76ers seemingly uh, can't, it's a house of horrors down in Miami for them. I mean, they just can't even play like good basketball at all when down in Miami. So, I mean, if it is a game seven as a Miami fan, even if, if you, if you were to lose game six uh, tomorrow night, just as Miami fan, you kind of have to feel good about it because, I mean, the 76ers have not shown anything. Even when Joel Embiid finally played in Miami, they didn't show any type of life uh, down in the 305 at all. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, it's probably because James Harden went to the strip clubs the night before, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's just that's just what he's about. And, I mean, I expect him to have, like, 25-plus points in Game 6 just because maybe he's back. I don't know, but it seemed like he was – finding a stroke in Philadelphia we'll see if he's able to do find that once again in in Philly in game six now is there anything else that you want to say about this series no I, I mean I just I, I don't like Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> or their fans I have a friend that's a Philadelphia 76ers fan who unfortunately I do a podcast with <laughs> um but yeah I mean it's 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 not been the most competitive series a lot of blowouts in this series, which is not not what you want for I'm from sure your typical NBA fan. Obviously, when the Heat are blowing out the 76ers, it's it's good for us. But I'm hoping I'm hoping we get it done in six. I just don't think that'll be the case. Uh, to move on uh, to, I want to talk about the Warriors Grizzlies mainly because John Moran is seemingly out for the rest of the playoffs. Isn't that's yeah. that's the word? And it was. Be I mean, I don't know if you've seen the play where he. Uh, 
sprained his MCL, I think it was, or something like that. He messed up his knee, I think, again. or some. He messed up his leg, I'll say. Um, and there was some saying that it was a dirty play. I mean, have you seen the play itself? I've, I, don't, I don't think I've, I've gotten a chance to see the actual play, for, but from what I've heard, um, a lot of people, most people have characterized it as being a dirty play from what I've heard, but... Um, I, I would have to go take a look at it to really see what happened. What, what were what were your thoughts? Though? I don't know. I mean, I watched it, it yeah. and I it looked like he was just swiping for the ball, and the guy barely like he gets his not even a a full palm on his knee on jaw. I think it was Jordan Poole. He was swiping for the he tipped the ball, and then jaw. I mean, it was a scramble for the ball and stuff between the two of them, and he tries to swipe again, and he and he only gets his fingertips on the knee to where then it like. Pulls John Morant's knee in an awkward position, but it it didn't look dirty. He actually looked like he was going for the ball. I mean, yeah, uh, sadly it uh, there was I'm John Morant got injured and he's out for the rest of the the playoffs. But it wasn't a dirty play. It really wasn't. If anyone like he wasn't even looking at his knee. That's the thing. Like his eyes weren't even cheating on him. It was his eyes were looking right at the ball. I mean, so you can obviously tell like he did not have the wherewithal to to just pull on his knee, knowing that John Morant has had leg leg injuries and uh, and stuff like that. So it's not a dirty play. But now that I mean, last game was a blowout without John Morant. Uh, John Morant's the Grizzlies everything, and now that he's out of the playoffs. The Grizzlies are done. I, I, it was a good series leading up before the la- the prior game. It really was. I thought uh, the Grizzlies were surprisingly more competitive than I expected them to be in each in each game. But now without John Morant, uh, I think the I think the series is going to end tonight, and the Warriors are going to be the first team to advance. Well, one thing to note. Um, this stat's a little misleading, but John Morant, when he wasn't on the court during the regular season, the Grizzlies actually played really well because they you know, kind of got that defensive mindset, um, kind of, you know, re- really came together as a unit and, and performed well. And But the problem with that is it wasn't against the best of teams, hence why that record was high. I do think the series will be over after tonight. I mean, I, I think the Warriors have been, been the best team so far in this postseason. Um, it seems like they have you know, turned back the clock back to those finals runs several years back, and they've had some really emerging guys step up, and especially someone like Jordan Poole. We're still waiting to see if Clay Thompson can get back to what he was used to doing, but Steph Curry, after struggling in the regular season, has turned it on. So, I mean... I think them, and if the Suns end up advancing, which I think they'll do, that's going to be a very entertaining series, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I, I know you initially picked the Warriors. I picked the Suns, so we'll definitely have to see what happens if both those teams make it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can move on now to the Suns-Mavericks. I'm very surprised that the Mavericks are able to, to keep up with the Suns. I mean, getting two games up on them, and the next game's in Dallas. I mean, it easily, I, there's potential that this could just go a game seven. And I, I, I'm very surprised by that. I was not really expecting that from Dallas to actually put up a pretty good fight. I mean, when facing the Suns, they've won. I mean, the Suns haven't beaten them on the road in Dallas yet. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they, each home team has won this series. So just like the... Heat versus 76ers matchup. It's the same for the Suns Mavericks, and I didn't think that that was the case at all. I mean, I'm, 
there's been really only i mean there had there's i'm looking at the box scores now there's been like within a single digit win one two yeah only two games have have been in a single digits uh ended up in the si- a single digits difference uh, every other is double digits so it's kind of just a blowout whoever blows the other out just wins so it's I think this game is actually a little bit more difficult to uh, to say who wins and who loses than than expected. I mean, the Suns just match up better, but I, I guess Luca's keeping them afloat. So, it, it, I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult to see. I, I would. Ha- I I don't think it's crazy to think this goes to Game Seven based off of the um, home teams always winning. Well, well, one thing that I've noticed, just looking at the box score and just seeing some of the games, Chris Paul has not been the same player after the first oh, yeah. two games in this series. And we saw him struggle in Dallas, which is probably part of the reason that they couldn't take any games there. Obviously, I, I think that the Suns MVP is Chris Paul just because of what he's able to do, not only score the ball himself, but to be a facilitator for guys like Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden and even... Even in um, Game Five, which they blew out the Mavericks, he only had seven points. Dying Obviously, he had the ten yeah. assists, but it wasn't much of a factor there. If the Suns want to be able to finish off this series in Dallas, I think Chris Paul is going to really need to show up. And obviously, Luka Doncic just shows up every game. That there's not even a question. Um, he just is going to continue to need help from a supporting cast. Jalen Brunson has been up and down. Dorian Finney-Smith had that one game, I believe, in Game Four, but. If the Mavericks want to win, which they have everything you know going for them, considering the Suns haven't been able to win in Dallas, and you know Chris Paul has struggled in Dallas, so I think that the Mavericks will win this game, and I think it's going to go to a game seven. Two game seven so far of what of us predicting that, and I mean, you got to steal a game on the road, yeah, especially if you're the lower seed. Uh, so if this goes to game seven, then the Mavericks. And the 76, they want to advance. You got to steal. I mean, even if you're the higher seed, it's good to steal a game on the road. You don't want this to go to a game seven because anything can happen in a game seven. Um, so, and I mean, that game seven would be both game sevens for the 76ers. Heat, Mavericks, Suns are on Sunday night. So we'll find, I mean, we'll find out pretty, pretty soon. But the last series it's going on right now as we're as we're talking is the Boston versus Milwaukee matchup where this is a heavy hitting matchup man i mean it's bucks celtics bucks celtics right now i mean if you're going with the trends bucks should win this i mean each each team has stolen has has stolen a game on the road so far so I mean, right now the Bucks are down eleven, down eleven points in the with a one minute to go in the third. So we'll see what how that ends up. And I mean, it's not devastating if the Celtics win this game because then it goes back uh, to the Bucks home court. But I mean, the Celtics have proven that they can win on the road against uh, the Bucks home crowd. So. I mean, do you think this goes to a game seven, or do you think whoever wins in? I mean, let's say Boston wins tonight. Do you think they finish it off in Milwaukee? I don't. I don't want to get two game seven happy, but I mean, 
I, I initially said that this was going to go to seven games and that both teams were going to alternate each game, and that's what we've seen so far. I just don't see the Bucks losing the next two. I just I just can't see, especially with the next game being in Milwaukee. So I do think this will also go to a game seven just because, um, and I still think Boston's going to win this series, but considering the Bucks haven't had Chris Middleton this whole series, they've really you know been able to hung in there with a Celtics team that, down the stretch here has really, really been performing well. And we've seen the resurgence of Al Horford in this series. He's not having a great game tonight, mm. but these past few games really, really um, a, a huge part in the Celtics in in the games that they've won when he's performed extremely well. Obviously, Jason Tatum's been on and off in this series. Jalen Brown started off slow, but he's uh, picked it up these past few games. Um Giannis lights up the scoreboard every game. It's just a matter of getting that supporting cast going, which doesn't include Chris Middleton. So I do think the Celtics hold on here as the game is going into the fourth quarter in about a minute. So we'll have to see. I, I like the Bucks' chances, though, of picking up game six at home. If it's, it's funny because obviously programming-wise, uh, they seem to have predicted this perfectly because – Sunday, it would also be Game 7, Bucks versus Celtics, <laughs> if anything. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be a jam-packed Sunday. I don't know. I mean, obviously, Mavericks Suns would be the last because of West Coast. But, I mean, would you really want to – would you put, like, prime time-wise, like, that 7, 30, 8 o'clock range? I mean, are you putting Sixers Heat or Bucks Celtics? Uh <laughs> I, I would I would want to say Bucks Celtics. Uh, I think that's the more. I mean, we've seen throughout the series the more like tight, more closely contested series. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that we talked about this, I think, on last episode, how they're giving. It seems like they're giving the Bucks Celtics series and the Grizzlies Warriors series more days of rest in between than the Heat Seventy Sixers. Because if the um, Let's see the the Bucks and Celtics play Wednesday, so they played Friday. Yeah, okay, so they only have one day off. But I don't I don't believe the Heat and Seventy Sixers have had more than three days. Off. I think the Celtics and Bucks had three days of rest last week, which is weird. But I guess that's just how it's working with the the TV schedule. But to have two game sevens, potentially three game sevens, which will all be great games, I think. Um, I, I think you would go though. Mavericks Suns is the early game. Really, as the early game, even though it's West Coast, you could just stick that at like uh, a nine thirty. Yeah, I, just, I know that's true. I, I'm not thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, you probably go like a nine thirty for the Mavericks Suns, mm-hmm. and then I, I, like six thirty for Bucks Celtics, I think, and then three thirty, three three thirty for I don't know, but like. Uh, it's unfortunate you can't have both games prime time, but um, I yeah. think the 76ers one heat would be the early one. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, if I, I would keep that too, if like West Coast timing didn't really matter, anyways. Yeah, I still would. I, that I was would. The, that was the th- I I forgot for a second that it was going to be in Phoenix, which is which affects. I think if like I said, time zone not affecting it, then they should should be the the first game but yeah absolutely yeah i i would i would go with that too but uh, i mean i i think we're i mean i don't really 
I think uh, Suns Warrior seems very likely. Heat seems. I mean, I, knock on wood. I don't want to jinx it for you and stuff, but I mean, I feel like the Heat will end up in the Eastern Conference Finals. I can't tell with the Bucks Celtics, man. Yeah. I really can't. It really could go either way. I mean, I think it would be good, a, a good series either way versus the Heat. I, I really don't think the 76ers get in the Eastern Conference Final. I think either of those two teams would just beat up on the on the 76ers. I agree. And for some reason, like, um, ESPN just, just loves to, like, talk really good about the 76ers and thinking they have a chance against the Bucks or Celtics. I just... I just don't see it. The Bucks and Celtics are just built differently, and we've seen the 76ers. I mean, and the Heat too. Both teams have been inconsistent in the series. Bucks and Celtics have been consistent all all series long. That's that's been the more competitive series. Um, for whoever has to face one of those teams, it's going to be a tough challenge, but um, it's definitely going to be an exciting series. Exactly. I mean, let's transition now to the MLB. Let, let, the Angels, I got to get this off right now. The Angels, man, they are fun to watch, especially last night. Two big eventful things happened. Yeah. One, a rookie starting pitcher throws a no-hitter against the defending AL East champions, Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, the Rays just got raised pretty much. <laughs> And then Anthony Rendon decides to take his first ever left-handed at bat and just pop pops one to let's even this right center. He didn't even get like a cheap one down the line. He went to right center and that thing was gone. I mean, that's that's pretty damn. You got to be good at swinging a bat <laughs> in order to step up and I know you're facing Phillips yeah, and we still, yeah. Still, just popping one for three, what, like 370, maybe 380? Yeah, and I, I can't imagine. Like, I'm I'm sure, like, growing up, like, I always would take, like, a few swings every now and then on the left side just, you know, just to for for um, stability purpose for both sides of the bottom. I'm sure he takes a few swings every now and then from the left side, but nothing, like, <laughs> where he's, like, fully practicing in the cage against the machine or something like that. So to be able to do that – um it's 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 remarkable like there's you're not you're not gonna see that you're not gonna see that often i mean when i when i saw that i just i just can't believe it <laughs> and then to finish the night off with a no hitter that's yeah that's amazing i mean very eventful the angels man they're very fun to watch but i mean the it's been the story of their season so far they just had had a lot of things going their way and i i obviously the the, the issue coming into the season was pitching and they I mean, they have this rookie pitcher in Reen Detmers, who obviously threw the no hitter last night. But Noah Syndergaard's been good. Um, Shohei Otani, he's he's strong, hasn't been his normal self um, pitching wise, but offensively is now picking it back up. But offensively, the Angels are a very exciting team. Uh, the, the, the one thing is they got they got a a rocket behind them in the Houston Astros. Yeah. Houston Astros have won eight in a row, only one game back. I mean, the Angels are holding them off with a three-game winning streak of their own. Uh, so, I mean, Houston, they're they're looking a little scary right now. They've uh, picked it picked it up since since really the last time we talked about them. Honestly, I mean, they're yeah. eight-game winning streak, eight and two in their last last game. I mean, right now they're facing the Twins. Sadly, Carlos Correa is on the IL, so he is. 
not able to uh, – he's not playing in the series. It would have been really fun to watch that, though, if uh, Carl, uh, Carlos Correa was able to play. But, I mean, they're beating up on the Twins right now. I'm, so, Angels got to watch out. They really do, even though they're really fun. I mean, they still – I think they would – they would be the number one seed in the wild card right now if they were to be overtaken by Houston. Yeah. But I mean, what I mean, uh, is there another team you want to talk about at all? In um, I mean, not not to say that we had them finishing, you know, first in their division, but the Detroit Tigers. A lot of people, oh you know, assumed that they were going to be the the second best team in this division, and. They're currently one of the worst teams in the MLB, last in their division, 9-21. and 21. Obviously, they have a lot of young talent, which is, you know, which you can expect, a lot of young talent not being able to perform at a high level this early. But um, very, very disappointed considering all that talent that they do have. I don't know if they'll be able to – I don't think this will continue where they're this bad, but it's looking like this rebuild that they've been in may, may take a few more years than expected to, to get out. You you want to guess how many total home runs they have together as a team? How many? Um, let me think. Uh, I know it's not much. Uh, like twelve? On the dot. No way. Yes. I, I'm not. I'm not looking at anything. I, I just have the standings up. Okay, yeah, they wow. have only they have only twelve overall home runs. They're I mean right now. You know who's their leader in home runs? Yeah, their leader right now is Torkelson. Okay. With three. <laughs> they just, man, I don't know if it's really cold in Detroit for this past month or something, but geez. I mean, I did not think that they would be this bad. I mean, when Kansas City is ahead of you, I, I mean, what's sadder? Like, what's more disappointing, I'll say? The Tigers or Boston? You have to hold them in I, respect to their own division I, too. I, I think Boston, because while we didn't, I know, I, I believe I had them finishing fourth in the division, coming off of the year that they came off last year, you didn't think they were going to be as bad as they are. Maybe somewhere similar, maybe a little bit worse in my opinion. But I think with the, with what we've seen from the Tigers in the years past, the, in the last few years, um, I think the what the Red Sox have done, especially they they did make some additions. They did add Trevor Story. He's been really bad to start the season. I know he hit a home run tonight, but he's he's gotten off to a very slow start. But for me, it would be the Red Sox. Yeah, uh, I it just it's not a good look when you're two games back from the Orioles. No, <laughs> let alone the division leader. Like, I mean, they're eleven back from the Yankees right now, and that's a that's a tough hole yeah. to cover. Yep, like that is a lot to dig yourself out of in a month. In one month, you're 11 games back. That's really difficult. I mean, you have to have, like, th usually to be, like, a division winner, you need around two really good months. Mm -hmm. And, like, the other three, you can play 500 ball. Right. And that's then you can win a division. For Boston, you need three really good months. Yeah, I mean, just think, just thinking of that, like looking at the NL East right now, the, the difference between the second place team and the New York Mets is seven games, and that's that's the Braves, Mets, and Braves, Marlins, and Phillies are all tied for seven games behind the Mets. And being that we're only a little more than a month into the season, that I think that's a, a, a very not a steep hill to climb, but that's already a significant margin 
considering we've only played so many games. And, and I mean, that's even for like the Marlins, Phillies, and Braves. It's difficult to be in that position because also the wild card is really tough because of the NL West. Yeah. The NL West is, I mean, that's if if you think, I mean, if if you think maybe like the AL East is the gauntlet. Look at the NL West, man. I mean, you got. I mean, geez, the Dodgers with 21s, the Padres with 21s, San Francisco with 19, Arizona with 17, Colorado with 16. All teams in that in that division are over 500 as we speak. We, we wouldn't have expected that coming into the year. We thought, obviously, a lot, a lot of people thought the Diamondbacks and Rockets, especially, would be the, would be the two that are under 500. But they've been they've been playing some good baseball and. It's I think it's really crazy that the NLS is we're talking about the division where every team is over 500. Yeah, uh, there's there's really no division that I mean the closest is the AL East, but they only have three. They I mean they only have three. I mean and so does the uh, Central. Well, Cleveland at the moment is 500, but other than um, other than that, I mean it's. Yeah, the NL East only has one team over 500. Yeah. Is... Yeah, exactly. So it's it's difficult, man. I mean, I feel again, it's a month in. So at what point do you start like I was just like a Yankees fan just start like looking at the standings and saying like um, you know, I think we're, you know, comfortable we are. Obviously, there's no a month in a month can change a season, but at what point, whether you're a Yankees fan or any fan in general, what point and you start looking at the standings and say like, Oh, I think we're going to be this place team for this year. By like games back. Do you mean when I you well, start like to feel comfortable? Just, just, just for example, like we're looking at someone like the Boston Red Sox and they're in last place right now. And it's only may, but there's still a lot of season left. I, if they're like, Eight games back going into July from whoever, let's, the AL East and whoever is leading that division, whoever is in the Boston, let's say, is eight games back. Um, you've, You're not really worried about Boston right? At, at the start of July because your team has proven, like, they've, they've put them in that big hole already. I mean, that the only way that changes is if, quickly is if you go like two and eight and they go like seven and three, which isn't, I mean, obviously if whoever's teams in the first, first place, it's very unlikely they go two and eight or three and seven within that spam. But I mean, as a Yankees fan, and I'll just use this for example, cause we are in first place at the moment. Uh, I'm not, I mean, there was a time when Tampa was only two games back from us, and now they're four and a half. They win tonight, which they're leading at the moment. There's four games back, and I like that. I'm only really comfortable uh, being in first place when it's like a five-game five game lead. I think five games is like, all right, a bad week won't lose us a complete lead when it's five games. Because, I, mean, I mean, it'll get close. It could get down to like two to – a game or two back, but still, I think five is a, is a reasonable gap to where you can, you can, if you want to start, if your team starts playing 500 ball, you're like, yeah, it's okay. We're still three games up on the, on the neck, on the team behind us. So that's what I would have to say. Like 
I mean, like, if you look at the NL West, Colorado in last place is only five games back from the Dodgers. So, I mean, that's a different scenario. But, um, yeah, it's really the Mets. Mets and Yankees only have a reasonable gap in between uh, for them as first place and then the second place team. Right. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, we have we have plenty of baseball to be played, but obviously, you have to like look at these standings, and you have to take something away from it just because there have been thirty plus games played, and you know that does mean something. It kind of gives gives an assessment of where teams are headed. Obviously, it's not a pure indication of it, but definitely, definitely start to see certain teams that maybe we wouldn't expect um, start to start to emerge at this time. Now, so far, since you've said roughly around 30 games have been played by each team, how many teams do you think will hit the, hit the century mark? Um, oof, this is tough. Cause we already have one, two, three, four, five, six teams at 20 plus wins. Um, I definitely, I definitely think the Yankees get there. I think the Dodgers get there. Uh, what about the Mets? It's a tough one because you think about all the past <laughs> years and, and what's happened to them. But they don't you have DeGrom. Of, they do not have DeGrom. I know. I'm, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to say three teams get the century mark. I'm not going to say that third team is just because – I don't know. It, it could be the Angels. It could be the Mets. But I just I have too many concerns at the moment with those teams getting 200 wins. I mean, what about what about the Brewers? I don't I don't think the Brewers get to 100 wins. I think they get to like 93, 94, I think is a good number for them. Okay. Um, but I, I don't see them getting to 100. And do you have a reason for that? Are they like... Are they kind of on not on the level of the other twenty win teams? You would say. I, I just think that from like looking at them as a complete team, they comparing them to like the Mets, the Yankees, the Brewers. Obviously, their weakness is their offense, and you're you're gonna see stretches during out during the season where their offense just shuts off, and obviously they'll still have that great pitching staff, which will be able to limit the limit the opposition. But if you're losing a bunch of two one one nothing games, um, it's it's really you know meaningless at that point. So I think. They, they are the, the weakest team out of those. I think they, right now, I think the Brewers are the weakest, um, the weakest 20 plus win team. Okay. I mean, I do have to say, um, I do have to say it's impressive that, yeah, I mean, more so than the Padres, you would think, you think. Yeah. I, I like the Padres actually better right now. Okay. Considering, considering, um, their, their rotation has been pretty good, and they just got some reinforcements on offense. And then Tatis, it will be right around the corner as well. And, and you know, they obviously they did the same thing last year. They started off well, but still, still a long season. I mean, where do you think the Padres – do you think the Padres finished second? Or do you think the – I mean, obviously, San Francisco is half a game behind them uh, with 19 wins. I'm, I'm, what do, you, do you think the Padres keep this up? And if so, like, what do you think their win mark is? I mean, their uh, win, games won – I, I think the Padres finish in second, and I think they um, finished with about 91, 92 wins. Okay, so you think there actually is going to be a sizable gap by the end of the year? I I do. Um, just because the Padres are going to play well all year, but the Dodgers are just going to play <laughs> even better just because of I mean, mean, this. 
it's, it's hard to just not to see that like they every every i know they just lost the series to the pirates but um they they're gonna be fine and they're they do they do it every year they, they're able to eclipse what what really what people think i mean one last note about the mlb is the dodgers and the runs against 71 that's 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 12 low that's 12 lower runs than the next lowest in the yankees with 83 i mean and and now they're hitting i remember like they used to have a run a low run scored but i mean they were in like the 50s with runs against and like in uh, going like going into the with like 20 games under their belt i mean their pitching staff is scary yeah, I mean, speaking of talking about a run differential, the, the team with the third highest run differential right now is is the Los Angeles Angels, which yeah. you know is is extremely telling of, of what they've been able to accomplish so far this season. I mean, they they um they have scored the most runs, but they, uh, um, but I mean, they're also like middle of the pack with runs against. Actually, they're probably in the lower thirds in runs against. So I mean, that's really good to see when you're. I mean, it's. You can win a lot of games with having a top-scoring offense and a lower thirds like runs against yeah. pitching and defense. Yeah, they don't they don't need like a, a set of a rotation that has like five you know unbelievable arms. They need they just need to do some production from those arms because the offense is going to you know be the be the part of their team that takes them to to the playoffs. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what you should be expecting. Got anything else to say before we move on to my favorite sport right now? <laughs> no, I'm I'm ready to move on. I want to want to talk some Formula One. Some Formula One. It was at this past weekend, this Sunday, this glorious Sunday. It was the Crypto.com Miami Grand Prix. Jet, where was it hosted at? Miami, the three o. Exactly, and uh, it was near some type of stadium, right? It was the circuit was all around. Hard Rock Stadium, home of your 2022. Okay, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) Be careful with the next thing you say after 2020. AFC East champions. Okay, so they at least he has them losing in the Super Bowl. Um, uh, the results of this, if you guys did not watch it, Verstappen, whenever this man can have a nice, clean race, he has always won that race. Charles Leclerc finished in second place. Carlos Sainz finished in third. Sergio Perez finished in fourth. It was a classic, pretty much Red Bull, then Ferraris, and then Red Bull again. Um, what is good to see, if you are not a Red Bull or Ferrari fan, if you're like a McLaren, uh, Mercedes, sorry, fan is uh russell finished in fifth place and hamilton finished in seventh place place with after a subpar showcase in the prior races i mean hamilton did lose a spot uh based off of qualifying he qualified six finished seventh um what i i mean george russell amazing race by him he he qualified 12th and moved up six positions to even pass his teammate uh, to finish six. So, I mean, you really love to see that at M- McLaren, uh, Mercedes. Sorry, McLaren, on the other hand, I'll say, I mean, one of their drivers retired, uh, and the other one, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, finished 13th. Uh, just kind of piss poor there, if you want to be honest. 
Williams, Albon, really great race by him, I have to say. Uh, but this uh, this race was not. I wish for it being Miami and a lot. I mean, you, you are. I don't know if you've seen this photo. There was a photo. There's a photo that went around with. Uh, it was Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, and Lewis Hamilton. I saw that. Yeah. That's a. Yeah. That's an all-time great photo that's, right there. That's I mean, yeah. Michael Jordan, arguably the goat in the NBA. Tom Brady, the goat in the NFL, and arguably Lewis Hamilton, the goat in Formula One. I mean, that's a really iconic photo. If you, if someone was able to get a uh, that a photo of them with all of them signed signing that photo that's a that could be a pretty expensive uh piece of photography right there so that was really great to see stars showed out i um sadly the race really i mean the first few laps because max verstappen had to take take over carlos signs and then he took over charles leclerc and then there was a little battle near the end but nothing nothing much honestly kind of and I'm not a fan of any particular driver or race team, I would say. So I, all I really want is to see a really good race, a really good battle. So, I mean, it was kind of like, uh, all right. I mean, really good show out, I would have to say. Um, the common, the commentary, the commenters, um, they thought the, the track itself was excellent, which is great to hear. Yeah, that, that was actually something I wanted to ask you about. Um, I, From what I read, there were some mixed reviews on the track itself. Um, I don't know if you have anything to say about that. The The quality of the track was good because it was it's based on, like, the roads itself were based on actual streets, and they just, like, made them nice and smooth and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So the quality of the track was said to be very nice for it for its showcase event showcase race but the the dimensions of the track were a little tricky and a little questionable because the drivers did say that they had difficulty seeing around the corners at times there was one chicane that was a little like every racer was getting close to the wall even when they were taking it slow so that was that was one little like uh, that could easily be changed i mean race tracks change Every year, unless it's like a iconic one, like the Monaco Grand Prix, um, but like the Shanghai Grand, uh, Grand Prix, I, Grand Prix, I think um, that one has changed, or the Bahrain one has changed. So, if anything, if safety is a concern with these high-speed corners that have difficulty difficulty seeing, um, you can easily just make a little adjustment, make the diff dis distance between the turns a little bit longer so that's it's an easy solution uh they could i mean and there's space to work with around around the hard rock stadium it's all pretty much parking lots <laughs> right okay and um another thing i want to touch on just looking at like the standings right now and i believe there's like 16 or 17 races left in the season yes the cur currently the the top three is leclerc uh, verstappen and perez do you think that top three in any particular order remains the same, or do you think someone, um, whether it's Russell, Signs, probably I don't I don't know like how the point system totally works, but anyone below that or Russell or Signs, you think can get into the top three? The um, so 
Verstappen, Leclerc, um, it's within 19 points now, um, and I think that can that can change within the next two races easily. I mean, obviously, Verstappen has only finished three of the five races, and when he's finished, like I said earlier, he's won. I mean, as simple as that. Uh, Leclerc, though, is pretty consistent. He is pretty damn consistent with his points, so that's why I think, like, Two, three races, you can see Verstappen take over the first place. Um, the one thing I have to say is Russell could challenge for that third place, which would be really good to see. He's He has been pretty consistent with his points. I'd like to see him keep flirting with that five through seven finishing spot in order to get a good chunk of points. Because Perez is like, he's when he, he can finish in that third, in that, Third, second to third to fourth range, uh, but he'll he'll sometimes. I mean, he's missed one race, which is why it's kind of close. But also, Carlos Sainz, he's been very unlucky in his points. Uh, he hasn't finished one race in one race. I think he, um, I think had a broken front wing and had to go in or something like that. Some damage where he had to get repaired uh, in the pit stop, and he only scored five points. And if he didn't, and but. I mean, other than that, he scored 18, 15, and 15 this past race. So he's he can be consistent. It's I think it probably will end up Verstappen, Leclerc, however you think that, and then third place is between Perez and Sainz. And I think that's a really good battle. That's a good battle between the um, between the uh, secondary drivers. And whoever doesn't end up in third place could fall to five, and Russell take over and get that fourth place fourth place finish. Um, so. I mean, and, and that's the battle even in the races, not even over the season. In each race, it is between Leclerc and Verstappen, and then it is Carlos Sainz and Sergio Perez, which is really good to see because then it makes the Constructors' Championship very interesting. I mean, Red Bull has now closed the gap to only six points but behind for Ferrari, and then Mercedes kind of sitting there in that isolated number three spot, they can't. I don't think they can compete with the one-two, um, and they're they've made a pretty good distance between them and the fourth fourth team at the moment. Do you think it? I mean, do you think it's bad for the sport that this seems like it's very top-heavy? Whether it's we're talking about Verstappen and Leclerc and Red Bull and Ferrari. Um, no, I I it's a lot less top-heavy than it has been in prior years. Now it's two teams competing for the top, two drivers competing for the top. Prior to that, it was just Mercedes. Right. It was just Mercedes, and then Red Bull came along last year and competed with them in both the constructors and drivers. This year, it's the same thing, which is really good to see. What I really want to see is that third, fourth-place team competing now because, like I said, Mercedes is kind of just in third place. They're holding it down. I want to see a – like. We were expecting Mc, uh, McLaren to be able to compete with whoever was going to going into the season competing for third place, but they've just faltered. So now, I mean, if McLaren was competing for the constructors, I mean, they're in fourth place, but I mean, it's a it's a thirty it's a thirty nine, right? No, it's a forty nine point difference between them, and that I mean, that's a big that's a Big difference for McLaren and Mercedes. So that's what I wish I, w- I could see is that in the constructors, the team, team-based team racing, 
uh, third and fourth place team competing with each other because I'm happy with the one, two competing. Let's get who's competing for the bronze right now. Who's competing for that last spot on podium for the constructors. All right. Anything else you wanted to add about, uh, your beloved sport? Um, no, uh, when's next race is the following weekend. Let me just Spain, Spain. So huge race for Ferrari right there. Huge race, uh, for Ferrari. I would have to say, um, because of Carlos sign, I believe is from, yeah, Carlos sign is from Spain. So home race right there. Uh, Fernando Alonso also I'll mention he he is a Formula One champion and he is from Spain so two home circuits for some guys so uh, that's May May twenty second is the Grand Prix and then after that a week later is the Monaco Grand Prix probably the most illustrious one out of the entire circuit this year so yeah I was I was happy to see a lot of people though showed up. More people showed up for the Formula One race this past weekend than a NASCAR race that happened this past weekend also. Well, so I mean, that just shows you that's the the sports in a very, very good spot. Exactly. And it's appealing. NASCAR gets more of the older audience, I would have to say. But Formula One is getting the younger audience, which I'm really happy to see, especially in America, because I think it is a growing sport and people need to start paying attention to it. Slowly, slowly but surely starting to pull me in as they exactly. finish season two of Drive to Survive. There we go. Uh, yeah, guys, that was actually a lot longer of an episode than I was anticipating. I was actually happy. We talked about a lot for a while. This is episode 52, the Ray Lewis 52 card pickup episode. Oh, yeah. We hope you guys enjoyed. Peace out.